Hello, I'm Daniel Weinman and this is Brave New Brands, the podcast where we get to know the stories behind our most authentic consumer products. And today we have Jonathan Eppers. Jonathan is the founder and CEO of Vibes, a functional wellness brand crafting beverages made with cannabinoids and adaptogens that improve well-being. He made the switch from tech to consumer goods after he began using CBD to manage his own anxiety. After that, his mission in life became to bring naturalized forms of therapy to people. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. I really want us to to get deep into how do you build your company? And can you start by, by telling me what was the motivation? No, uh, actually, let's start by telling what you do and and then we, we get into the motivation. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great to meet you guys and connect with you. Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. My name is Jonathan Eppers. I'm the founder of a wellness beverage, a functional wellness beverage called Vibes. Uh, we launched Vibes in 2018 here in Los Angeles, and it's since spread nationally. We're, we sell in almost 40 states in the United States. Um, our biggest cities are Los Angeles, San Francisco, and uh, New York City. And Vibes is a, a wellness beverage made with 25 milligrams of hemp CBD. It's low-cal, low-sugar. It's a premium beverage in a glass bottle, very big on sustainability. Uh, and it's available currently in six flavors. Wonderful. What was the, the motivation to start Vibes? And what, what's the story there? Yeah, it's actually kind of an interesting story. And in many respects, it's the origins of Vibes were based on uh, a, a major failure in my life. Um, my background is technology. Uh, I've been a product manager slash designer in tech um, since I got out of college. Maybe. Since I've been a kid, I've always been fascinated with computers and design. I started at MySpace and then went over to a long time ago, kind of dates me. Uh, I went to eHarmony and then I started a uh, startup here in Los Angeles called Radpad, which was a rental marketplace. And that's really where sort of vibes picks up because Radpad was a rental marketplace where people would come and, and find apartments, uh, rent apartments, pay for their rent on our platform doing very well. I uh, had a pretty big team here in Los Angeles. And then we got into a pretty big lawsuit with one of our biggest competitors. And the competitor really just wanted to put us out of business. And so they used litigation to try to slow us down. It nearly succeeded. And this was in sort of 2016, which was probably the toughest year of my life. To be in a lawsuit, to be faced with reality and company was very, very uh immensely um, traumatic. And a friend of mine introduced me to CBD during this experience. I uh, never heard of CBD. For those that don't know what CBD is, it stands for cannabidiol. It's derived from the hemp plants. It's not intoxicating, so you won't get high from it. But uh, for a lot of people, a lot of people feel less anxious, less stressed. Um, they help, uh, CBD goes into the body, it helps your body enter into homeostasis. So for me, going through a very traumatic, stressful time, CBD kind of came into my life at the most opportune time and uh, ended up selling Radpad um, in order to sort of protect the company. I didn't end up staying with the, the choir. And so I came in 2017, you know, no job, no company anymore, sort of lost and still dealing with emotional trauma of what happened to me at Radpad. But I was taking CBD oil every day. And at the time, it was in a tincture I was putting under my tongue. Um, and one day I was just said, you know, I'm putting this stuff in my body for six months. Like, what the heck is this stuff, you know? And I finally had the time and the space to research it 
And that led me down this path, which eventually became Vibes. And long story short, I, I fell in love with CBD. It worked for me, but I wanted it in a beverage. I didn't want to put it under my tongue anymore. Yeah. And, um, and so there wasn't any beverages. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to try cre- creating this. I'd always wanted to make something tangible, something that um, uh, wasn't so you know, software specific. And for, for me, it just happened to be this beverage. That's an incredible story because, yeah, it has all the components there. I loved it. What was the path then you decided to create a beverage? What was the first step? Well, the first step was convincing myself that I could, could figure this out. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I knew, I, I never, you know, I've always been software and technology, so knew nothing about the beverage industry, the food industry, but, um, but I was very, um, because it was so new, I was very um, excited to learn a little bit about it. Uh, I called up some friends of mine that are in food and beverage, spoke with them. How do I take this idea I have, these, you know, this beverage and bring it to life. And they sort of connected me with different people who then sort of led me to finding this local company here in Los Angeles, who basically what they do is they help entrepreneurs like me bring their beverage ideas to life. So they're flavor sciences. I met with them. I had a, I had a very sort of defined vision of what I wanted this beverage to be. Healthy, low cal, low sugar, um, light tasting, uh, still, so not sparkling, and a glass bottle. And I even knew the sort of the two flavors I wanted. And they helped me bring those flavors to life. That was the easy part. The hard part was figuring out how to get CBD into, which isn't water soluble, or at the time wasn't, into this beverage. And that was the big challenge, is figuring out how to take this ingredient, put it into a beverage, and make it so that when you drank it, one, you wouldn't taste it. And two, it would actually enter your bloodstream and you'd feel those benefits of CBD. And I had to find a company out of Colorado that was um, taking cannabinoids at the time, they were doing it for THC and experimenting with how to create, use those molecules and compounds and bind it into a, um, a technology that, that your body could digest. And I convinced them to try it with CBD. Fortunately, we were successful and that sort of kicked, kicked it off. You know, when I launched Vibes, it was just me. I didn't have co-founders, didn't have any employees. I used my own money to start it. But given my background in design and product, probably the, the thing that I'm best at is figuring out how to bring the stuff to life. And so once I found my flavor scientist, we came up with the first two flavors. Then it was a matter of like, what are the packaging look like? And that was yeah. the most exciting part of this for me. And I worked with a guy named Steve Ryan with, with Someday's agency to, to design the packaging, which is kind of what's kind of made us, I don't say famous, but what people have come to know vibes for is our, our minimalistic, unique packaging. And how long between the, the day you convinced yourself to, to do it and the day you had a product to sell? Uh, in other words, how, how long was the research and development part? Well, that's a great question. Well, I knew I wanted to move quickly. I had decided over the summer of 2017, or in yeah, 2017, I'd spent a lot of time in Colorado um, getting to meet farmers who were growing hemp and learning about the industry. I had had my own health experience with CBD, but really understanding like what was happening in the market. So once I convinced myself that there was an opportunity here, and I conceived this idea of vibes, this beverage. Um, it took me four months to go from nothing to launching the beverage. And that is incredibly fast. Incredibly fast. Um, most entrepreneurs in this space, um, even seasoned veterans within beverage, uh, it can take you know eight months to a year and a half to bring a new line to market. So I did it very quickly. 
what 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 enabled you to do it very quickly? Is it your I'm guessing you had experience with lean startup from the past, or is it your willingness to to do the minimum viable version of vibes, or was it luck finding the right partners? What what what, what enabled you to to beat this fast? Because it, it's incredibly fast, right? Yeah, I think a little bit of be naive to this idea that it does take a long time and not having these like, physical, uh, sorry, I was like, delivering. No worries it. at all. Uh, I, I have a kid here. that happens right in the middle of one of these, you know, video podcasts. Really, I think what it was is I kind of really did my diligence before I said, okay, I'm going to step in and do this. I think for every entrepreneur, there's that point where you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm like, what's the first thing you do? You know, and for me, it was reaching out to the flavor house, meeting with them and, you know, hearing that they could bring my idea to life. So, so it was really, it was really for me is, is seeing that seeing meeting with the people who could bring the beverage to life. And then from there, it was working with Steve on designing the packaging and Steve was incredibly fast. So I had my flavor house that I, that had, had, um, was able to bring my flavors sort of, uh, to my liking within about a month. Steve took about six to eight weeks. That put me in sort of um, late October. And then I started making the, the, the product in early December. And then I came back right after the holidays and was out on the street selling it. How many units did you make at first? What's hard is finding a co-packer that'll do a small run. Yes. That was the challenge part because I didn't make it. So we, I contracted with a, a co-manufacturer here in California to make the first batch of vibes for me. Um, they made 500 cases, which mm-hmm. sound like a lot, but you know, when you, one of the challenges about the beverage industry is to make a product, you have to put up all this money first, you got to make yes. it. And so you get all this money tied up in your inventory. And since I was financing and funding this myself, you know, and this is inventory that's going to go bad. It's a food product. So yeah. as soon as it's made, you got to get, you got to sell it. And so that was a big incentive for me to hit the streets as soon as I had the product and sell it. Um, so I made 500 cases. I was, gave myself a goal to sell all 500 cases in four months. So it's a little bit more than a uh, hundred cases a month. And I ended up selling all 500 cases in about four weeks. Yeah, um, so it was, it was pretty amazing. How much do you think the packaging helped you with the first sale? I give the packaging uh, 80% of the credit. And yeah. was, because packaging on anything is the thing that people see when they first you know, or in a store and they look over and there's something new. And we, I was very obsessive and I still am about where vibes would be found. So we focus yeah. typically on premium independent retailers. These are uh, natural food stores, high end natural food stores, coffee shops, gyms, cafes, hotels. So it's where somebody discovers vibes for the first time. That discoverability to me, was like a moment kind of like magic. And I wanted to make sure that where you saw vibes was in a place that sort of made you feel like you wanted this. Like you go into a gym and you see a CBD beverage, you know, it's like, well, it's not a gym. It must be, it must be healthy for me. And so that kind of, kind of convinced yes. you. Yes. Yes. And um, so I had made a list of a number of accounts. I focused on those accounts. Fortunately, they gave me a shot on the shelf and then the packaging really helped bring the consumer to the product. And then when they picked it up and saw it was CBD, it was the first time most people had seen CBD in a beverage. It was like, oh, I, I want to try this. And um, and then it was what was inside that got them to say, okay, I like this. I want to rebuy it. So the packaging got to come over. 
what was inside got in the rebuy. And the rebuy is the most important part. That actually takes me to something I wanted to understand about Vibes in your strategy, which is I know you wanted to have to use uh, traditional retail so you reached people where they were. So so you you were able to to get to know them. Actually I have two questions. Did you from the get-go want to take them from the from retail to become subscribers or or buyers uh, direct to consumer? Or you're first first wanting to to develop the retail side and later on invest in the direct to consumer? What's the what's the strategy there? That's a great question, one that um I think about all the time. You know, COVID so let's go back before COVID, because COVID sort of changed everything. But when I started the question. Yeah, so when I started Vibes, you know, the focus was very retail, uh, retail focus. Be buying a ready-to-drink beverage, which is what we sell, is an impulse buy for the most part. If you're in a store, you're thirsty, there's a cooler, you see a beverage, you grab it, you, you go, right? It's instant gratification. When you, That's how most people today uh, buy beverages still, even, even after COVID. And so we were very retail focused. We wanted to win on the shelf. And we wanted to build um, distribution nationally, starting locally. We didn't, I didn't say let's be in 20 states this year. It was let's be in 100 stores in the next three months. Let's make sure that we have a product people want. And then from there, let's grow. And we really wanted to develop sort of a hardcore cult following around vibes. You can't do that by, um, you know, it's going to be very deliberate. And yes. so, again, it goes back into where you would find vibes. And where you wouldn't find buyers. For example, we don't sell in convenience stores. We don't sell yeah. in dispensaries. We don't sell in other places that we think would, would not be good for the brand at this stage. In my view, you build a brand in retail and these places where consumers come to discover your product. And by the way, they don't discover you in big grocery stores. Yes. They discover you in small stores where they, you know, they go to the coffee shop every day. All of a sudden, something new pops in the cooler. They see it and they're like, oh, what is this? You know, you don't go into a big grocery store and say, what am I going to discover today? You go in there and buy what Definitely you need not. and you leave. And I think that's a step that a lot of beverage brands skip. They want to go right to the big stores because they want to sell a lot of product and make a lot of money. And they forget that people don't go there to find that product. They go there to buy what they already know. And so we, we really focused on that, those independents. We're now starting to focus. Now we've built the brand, have a following. We're starting to move up and go into the bigger stores and the bigger um, chains um, but initially, the first three years, it was really those independents that drove most of our business. COVID happened, and that forced us to focus on D2C. We had always had an e-com store, but when the lockdowns happened and it really affected our small independent retailers, had to close, we couldn't let people in, that really affected our retail business, which accounted at the time for about 95% of all of our sales. So last March, we pivoted, we quickly... Um, um, began figuring out how do we create the offline experience online, meaning how do we create like the ability to impulse buy vibe in you know, online. And the way we did that is we partnered with a service to offer free same day delivery. So in LA, New York, San Francisco, and Chicago, you come on vibes today and you're in our delivery zip code, we will deliver the product in about two hours after you, after you buy it from us. And that has really helped us grow our e-com strategy, our e-com sales from 5% of our business pre-COVID to last year, 18% of our business. 18. Yeah. And I think it's going to stay over 10% going forward. Consumers are now getting used to the idea of going online to buy something that traditionally they weren't willing to buy online uh, because we're adding things that give it to them more instantly.
in from uh, from the eighteen, um, what's the distribution between one-offs and subscriptions? We just launched a subscription service actually, so it's very new for us. I was hoping to launch that earlier last year, but we had just a number of issues and uh, the backing on this. Um, today we have over 120 subscribers, um, which um, I'm very proud of. Yeah, so so the subscriber base I think will continue to grow as more more people buy online and, re- and recognize that they can get it at a, at a cheaper price by subscribing. Yeah, that's that's uh, I, I love subscription food and beverage stuff, uh, especially when you when you have the the same day delivery and seems like a, a great deal for consumers now that yeah. we are able to offer this. Yeah, we think so too. I want to go to go back to something you said just recently. You mentioned I wanted to make sure we have uh, we had a product that people loved. Sometimes, uh, actually, probably most times this needs few iterations before you actually have the product that people love. What was your experience? Did you launch, start selling, and did you reach out to, to, to consumers to, to get their opinion and see what was happening? Did you have to change the, the product to, to make it better? What, what was the story there? Well, yeah, I mean, you asked me earlier about launching an MVP, remember about a product, and just from my tech days, You know, I, I learned that as a product manager, if you, if you wait to launch it when it's perfect, it's too late. Yes. And with food and beverage, you can't cut as many corners because you're talking about a food product. Yeah. But I will say that the packaging, the, the flavor and the formulations were spot on when I launched. But the packaging, <laughs> packaging needed a lot of work. Our label wasn't the right label paper. The bottle wasn't the right bottle. Um, the cap we changed. The box that it came in has been changed. So... Well, I remember when I first got those first 500 cases and I opened it up and I was so excited, like, you know, on Christmas opening up a, a gift. And I looked at the bottom and I was just like, this is not what I wanted. I hated the paper. The print quality wasn't great. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wanted to sell this, you know? Fortunately, um, we moved quickly. And in beverage, you can't move as quickly as software because you can't just deploy updates and it's out there. It takes more time, as you know. But over the course of six months to a year, We vastly improved the paper. We finally found the quality that we wanted to. We worked. We found the right printer. Uh, so, um, we we last year launched our new custom bottle, which is a um, unique to vibes. We, we we got the cap in the box that we wanted. So, but it took you know six to six to eighteen months from the time I launched vibes until I remember probably about eighteen months, almost two years after I launched vibes. I remember after a production, seeing the box, the bottle. And it was like, okay, this is what I wanted 18 months ago. But it took 18 months to get there. And we're still iterating on it, by the way. We're still tweaking it to make it better. So um, we want to we constantly push the boundaries of what people expect from us and be innovative, but also um, deliver that quality, I think, that, that we're so passionate about. That's wonderful. All right. So you sold the first five, 500 cases in uh, four weeks. And fast forward now, how big is the team? Where are you now? How many cities? Tell us a bit where, of where you're at now. So it's a very small team, actually. It's, by, it's myself as the founder and kind of head of product and innovation. Um, and there's six other full-time people on the team, mostly in sales and operations. This is a very sales operation type, type business. Yeah. I love What I love about Beverage is, you know, we get to be sort of the brand which um, is where I get really excited about creating the packaging, the innovation, 
but we don't actually make the product. You know, it's made by somebody else. Um, I rarely touch the product. So it's, you know, uh, somebody else makes it for me. Distributors deliver it for me and stores sell it for me. And I love this business because of that. I don't have to hold on to the stuff. Now it works because we have a product that people are, are buying um, and want. Um, but in order to make all that run smoothly and efficiently, um, I have a really smart, lean team, people that um, I was the one that didn't commit that, that was new to the beverage industry, but the people on my team um, all had beverage industry experience. They all came from great brands. I learned most of what I've learned in the beverage industry today from them. Um, somebody that oversees all of our operations, supply chain and logistics, you know, from getting vibes from our manufacturing into that store shelf. Um, and then I have a great team who's constantly out, you know, selling the beverage and, and, and providing service to our existing accounts and to new accounts. Um, and then I like to focus really on the brand side, the marketing, the product innovation, um, where vibes goes from here, what kind of products we put out. So, um, it's just, it's a lean team. I've kept it that way intentionally. Um, beverage is an expensive business to be in because yeah. of the, as you get bigger, your costs to produce product continue to increase and grow. And so one of the hard lessons I learned from my last company was that you don't spend money you don't have. And so I've been much more conservative in this business and only spending money in areas where, you know, it's back into the product and we're selling the product and making money from that. So we, we haven't done any marketing, uh, any advertising. It's all really word of mouth and placement in the stores. How many cities are you in right now? So these wise, I can't give you an exact number because... Uh, but I can tell you the number of states. We're in 38 states. 38 states. Good uh, we're distributed yeah. by over 60 distributors. Um, and we're in all the major cities in, in the United States. Has it been like less than three years or just about three years, as you mentioned? Yeah. So I started the company in January 2018. It's January 2021. So we're yeah. just the fourth year in three years. That's that's a great, a great thing. One of the things I was thinking when you were talking about the benefit of being able to work on the brand and not having to produce the product, distribute it, and all the things that in the old days would seem like the actual operation of the business. If you're seeing the product as a commodity, which I know you're not, but I, um, one of the things I was thinking is that, that it's only possible because you have a premium product. Otherwise, you need to f be thinking by about growing an economy of scale, right? Is is that something you have in mind? Like we need to be like a premium product in terms of brand, especially, so we can continue to operate this lean way where you can focus on 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 the actual creative part of the work. Yeah. So I mean, any 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 beverage company, you know, needs to decide they want to be a specialty item, you know, and especially item you tend to sell at a higher cost. So you can sell less items um, or do you want to be sort of a mainstream mass market product? And ultimately, like we see ourselves in the wellness industry, making products that are good for people's health and well-being. And so that's not a specialty. That's something that everyone can benefit from. And the, the reason why Vibes costs, uh, say we actually just lowered our price. When we came into the industry, we were at $7.99, say we're at $5.99. I want to get Vibes down to under $5, $4.99, $3.99. But to do that, our key ingredient, the star of our beverage, CBD, has got to continue to come down. And it is. It's come down mm -hmm. at an immense amount of price. In order to, to get additional cost savings, like on our glass, on um, logistics, where we're shipping vibes across the country, it's, it's in a heavy glass bottle, it's expensive. We need to reach economies of scale. And so that's been the focus 
coming into this year. Um, one of the challenges, one of the big challenges with CBD is that in the United States, it's on a gray area. And so really the only places that will sell it are the smaller independents, the mom and pops up and down the streets. But we need to get into national grocery retail. And we've had a lot of interest from them. Um, and we hope to get into them this year. Um, but until that happens, we're working on some new innovations in the beverage um, space that we're going to bring to market uh, in, in April. Uh, so it's essentially a new line. And this new line does not have CBD in it and will allow us hopefully to take these beverages into these bigger chains where we can get the economies of scale and extend the brand and reach people that haven't been able to try Vibes yet. Um, so, so yeah, so the goal is to, to become mainstream. So then, then there, there's this strategy of starting by charging a premium so you can make your the whole business development viable and create this hardcore audience. But whenever you can, expanding this and, and going to mainstream, how much um, of a conscious decision was this strategy? How much was like, okay, to be able to produce this, I need to charge $7.99 and, and let's keep learning. That's good. So a couple of things there. When I, to get to the price point of $7.99 when I started by it, it really came down to what are our cost of goods? You know, what does it cost me to make this beverage? Yep. And then it was looking at, okay, what does the distributor need to make? Distributor, uh, most distributors take a specific margin based on, you know, your price. And then what does the retailer need to make? And in this row, so we backed it. I sort of backed into the price based on, you know, what I need to make, what the distributor needs to make, and what the retailer needs to make. And that was $7.99. Um, and as our prices come down, our cost of business come down, so too has our retail price come down in the last three years. When I came out with the price, everyone said, you'll never sell any dollar ready-to-drink beverage. It's No, no one's going to pay that. And they, were, they would have been right, I believe, had we come into a category that was already existed with, you know, entrenched players. But we created sort of a new category in beverage. There didn't exist a CBD beverage before. And so people, the buyers and stores were like, well, where do I put you? You're not a kombucha. You're not a cold brew coffee. You're not an energy drink. Not a soda or water. What are you? And we said, well, we're a functional wellness beverage, which is a trend that consumers are going to be going to, which is using plant-based you know, ingredients to better their health. And so we sort of had to educate and convince buyers that there was a new category that it would exist. And that's what gave us sort of the ability to convince them to take a bet on us, put the product in the market at our price. And fortunately, we're just lucky. Consumers were willing to pay essentially $8, you know, three, three years ago for a product they believe had real efficacy in their health. You've seen now a flood of new products coming into the market all under this wellness umbrella. Most of them have come in initially under CBD. So there are a lot more CBD beverages um, today than there were three years ago. And now you're seeing some beverages come in under this adaptogenic space. Um, but they're all under wellness. And that's a category which has been continuing to evolve. And fortunately, we're, we've been sort of the leader in that space. Um, we hope to maintain that by continuing to, you know, put up premium quality products. And in this space, people want to put something in their body that's, you know, it's it's from a great, you know, great company. When you, as the creator of the company and the and the product, actually lived 
through the the story as you mentioned like uh, you had been dealing with a lot in your past company and you, and you had anxiety and you had the benefit and then you you experienced not liking to put it at the aisle under your tongue or something like that when you have that root you you are much better positioned than uh, someone who just saw an opportunity like let's do something like vibes because I know I can make it for I don't know four ninety nine two ninety doesn't matter because especially in the the wellness functional wellness space people are looking for for things that really work and and really benefit them how do you see your competitors in this space are they more opportunity driven are they they do they have similar stories like yours uh, there is everything now What, what's the 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 scene there i think that's it's kind of a, a loaded question in the sense that like wellness is such a big category yeah and i think yeah. for me like i could never get into anything and sell anything that i don't believe and and i i'm not an early adopter you know i wasn't like oh like cbd i let's try it, it It just happened because I was in one of the worst depressive states of my life and someone told me that this could help me. And it was over the counter, it was natural, and it was accessible down the street in a store. Had that not happened, I never would have gotten into this space. But once that happened, I tried it and it worked for me. I became a believer. And because I'm a skeptic naturally, I knew that if I could convince myself by taking this that it was working, then I could convince others because it worked for me. So for Vibe, for me, Vibes isn't just a business. It's not just, you know, let's make some money. It's like, how do we help people? I think, you know, there's, there's a manifesto on the back of our label, which goes into sort of what we believe and what we think, which is, you know, essentially, I'm no different than anybody else, which is uh, we're all sort of caught in this rat race today in life. And everything's going faster and faster and faster. And a lot of that I blame on technology. And that was part of that by making, you know, working at companies that thought nothing about is how do we suck all your engagement out of you? How do we keep you, you know, on our platform and, and your attention, you know, because you're the, you're, you're, you're the product. We make money out of you. And that's bad for people's mental health. And there's a reason why one in five U.S. adults today suffer from anxiety and 25% of millennials consider themselves depressed. You know, um, that was happening before COVID. For me, this is very personal. We're, we're, we're trying to uh, help people uh, get some, some of their, their time back, their lives back. Finding balance is a big is a big thing for vibes and, and our customers. I don't think that a lot of the other brands in the category necessarily think the same as I do, um, because they haven't had those those personal experiences I have, or they didn't go through a lawsuit like I did. Um, I think that they, you know, a lot of these guys believe in CBD, these other brands, or they believe in the products they're selling. But I don't think that they've had sort of these rough, you know, like the kind of experience I had, and so. That doesn't mean they're not authentic or genuine, but I think it just means that um, for me, it's very personal, um, you know, and um, some of the decisions I've made on the brand have been based on that. And less, it's less about how do we grow as big as we can, as fast as we can, but more so how do we make the, the best product on the market that really truly helps people and that you can't rush that. So, and I think our, I think our, our key customers who have been with us a long time, our subscribers, um, the people who go to the stores and search us out, we'll drive a hundred miles to get one of our beverages and people do that. They email us. Um, those are the people who understand that difference, you know, and that takes time. Can you share a few of the, 
the testimonials you get, like when someone sends you an email, what, what's the impact on their lives? Uh, the, uh, the good stories you, you have there, because your story is, is great, but I imagine you feel very motivated every time you impact someone else, right? Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, it's, you know, any business is hard, you know, and, and uh, whether it's tech or beverage or whatever, I mean, it's, it's hard. Right. And like, um, what keeps me going is one, I love what I do. I believe in it, but really it's the customers who reach out to us and tell us how much they love vibes. And we see that on social media. Um, a lot, you know, people talking about, uh, it's their favorite beverage or, you know, the, what we've seen a lot is people talking about, I, I'm having a me night and they'll show a picture of vibes and it's like, they'll tag it like self care, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but we get some pretty strong emails from people. And, you know, to me, when somebody takes the time to, to like look a company up, find out how to contact them and, and then write a heartfelt story. That's like, that's humbling, you know, and we've had, we've had moms reach out to us about their, their teenagers uh, taking vibes for anxiety. A mom saying that they trust their children to take, to drink our product is, is cool. We've had, you know, people t tell us that um, vibes change their life or, Really, they're saying CBD, which I find just crazy. I mean, you know, but I always share those emails with our team. We really don't post those online, you know, because um, it's kind of more personal, but uh, it gets us every time. Yeah, that's I'm sure as a mission-driven entrepreneur, you you go through challenging times. That There's not only roses out there. For me personally, whenever I, I see first-hand the impact of my businesses i i don't know i feel fresh and ready to to a new challenge and i and i, I love that you that you have this uh, experience right how do you anticipate being able to pass the mission on as you grow through your team uh, through your customers like be, uh, being able to maintain this this culture you're creating around what initially was your experience but now it's a brand and a team and then probably even if you stay lean uh, a bigger team over time and and on and on i think it's now that is coming on a culture and culture can be inward and, and external and you know internal being our team our company people who work for vibes and external is our customers which can include people you know buying vibes in our distributors and retailers and so we sort of have I, I wrote this manifesto question about advising is just me about sort of the type of world we live in, how it's affecting people and what we're trying to do about that. And that's pretty much a consistent for the last three years. Um, we, we print a version of that on the back of our label so customers can read that. Um, I hope is that they relate to it in their own lives and can sort of understand what we think about um, before they, you know, drink it, drink our product um, and want to be part of that. Okay. I look at vibes as sort of like a, a symbol a physical, tangible symbol, our bottle, our label, our package for mental health. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, people don't want to go out and talk about their mental health to their friends. But if you have a vibe, you know, and you see someone drinking a vibe, maybe it tells you something about that person, that they're, they're trying to be in a balanced state, that they're, that they're not stressed or anxious, right? You see someone drinking a Red Bull, you know, that kind of tells you something about their mindset, their mood. And I think the same thing can be done with wellness and vibes can stand for that. So, you know, within my own company, it starts, I think, at the top with me, how I treat my employees, my expectations of my team, um, how fast I move the company and the pressure that puts on other people. 
So for example, I don't use Slack at, 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 um, at Vibes. I, I don't, I don't think it's good for people to be feel connected all the time. I feel it's most important for people to be disconnected. Uh, we're a small team, so we kind of have that family feel right now and that'll change as we grow. But I think that comes down to hiring really great qualified people and trusting them to do their job. Um, so, you know, giving them things that they can measure themselves upon, which is important to people today, but give them accountable for those things. And it's just sort of like the way we sort of talk to each other, to be honest with you. You know, if I come in with nervous energy or anxious energy or I'm demanding, you know, that, that sort of permeates through the culture, I think. And so I'm constantly aware of my, my sort of emotional state, how, how I try to come across my team. And, and, and I think, again, that permeates. And then that also then permeates with how our sales team treats our retailers. We always say we're a persistent brand, we're not a pushy brand. We're a confident brand, we're not a cocky brand. You know, and so if you're selling the product and you come in and you're confident, persistent, um, but if you're told no, you know, you respect and walk away, you know, I think that says something. You know, it leaves an impression in people. And so we try to hire people who believe in those tenants. And, and act on me as when they're out representing the brand. At any point, did you ever feel like you, you wouldn't make it? Like you have to shut down the company or something like that? You know, the first the first two years were wild because I got into the business right before CBD and, and the States became a huge thing. Now it's like it's become, you know, ubiquitous with pop culture, you know, CBD. But when I started this, not many people knew what CBD was. And so I kind of got in, you know, I was kind of a first mover, early adopter, right time, right place type kind of thing. And six months after I launched Vibes, it was just like, I couldn't make enough. You know, I mean, I did several million in sales my first year, which is unheard of in the beverage industry. And selling a beverage that was $8 on the less, you know, year two was even bigger. And then year three, COVID happened. And because 95% of our business was built around small independence, coffee shops, gyms, hotels, all of these places closed. And in the biggest cities where we moved majority of our business from LA, San Francisco, New York was hit the hardest. And, you know, people weren't coming to the office anymore. People were out of the routines. And that really hurt our retail. Our retail business went from having a record study month in February of last year to in April coming to a grinding hole. And it was scary. It really was. I thought, I can't believe this is happening, you know? Um, but we quickly, you know, pivoted and focused on online and kind of dug ourselves out of this hole. And now we're coming out of it. And there's a lot of optimism, I think, for coming this year. And, um, you know, but that's the journey. It's ups and downs. Unfortunately, I've had some in my previous businesses. And so instead of going really high or really low, I try to stay right in the middle, you know, and just it'll all kind of balance itself out. Yeah, your, your past experience like was so stressful that right now you have more perspective also, right? Yeah, you have to see the bigger picture, you know, the pandemic will end. We just got to figure out what we can do to hold on until, you know, it does end and things come back. And fortunately, now they are. And also, and also there are things that changed for the better, just like you were talking around uh, e-commerce and et cetera. Do you use your newly found uh, D2C potential to learn more about your customer since you have the data? Are, are you investing in this side of like knowing more consumer behavior, uh, reaching out to them because you have the direct contact? Uh, do, do you leverage that? That's a great point. Um, 
you know, when you're when you're selling through retail, you don't have a relationship with the, co- the consumer, the end, the, end, the end customer, because they're they're not buying it from you. Uh, where D2C you do, and there's a lot of advantages there. Um, we very much respect our customers' private information, their email, their phone number, their their information. We don't like to spam them. Um, we um, we only send them pertinent relevant information, new product updates, pricing adjustments, promotions and deals, um, which are sparingly. We're still. Um, but yes, I mean, the pivot to D2C last year, which we're still greatly focused on, has given us the ability to really build a much stronger relationship with our customer, which is helping us, I think, create sort of that deeper cult following around vibes. I think every brand wants that. You want like a cult following, right? Like a Supreme um, or a Saint Laurent um, in fashion, but you don't see that as much in beverage. And we're really trying to, to build that in beverage. Um, and you can't do that if you don't have a relationship with a customer. And so DTC gives us that ability to have that relationship. Of course, even when it was 5% DTC, you you were able to to have these relationships and learn from them and then reflect on the 95% retail. But now that the proportion increased almost four times, it's better to have a more quality relationship with the people that are benefiting and who, who are benefiting you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we love talking to our customers. We can do that through email and so and really social media. Instagram is one of the biggest ways we can get to talk to our customers. It almost becomes like a customer service tool. I think consumers say they want they want to they want to talk to the brand like it's a friend. You know, the brands have a personality, and we're very we're very um, careful about our personality. But um, I, you know, that's how we that's how you develop that close relationship and that's very important today one last question what lessons did you learn that you would love to to share with someone that's just starting a brand or a product to sell um, either via retail or direct to consumer what what is the yeah the biggest first lesson there in your mind i think the biggest first lesson for someone wanting to start like a like a brand or like launch a retail product is you gotta you gotta you gotta have a personal connection with what you're selling. You know, it's hard to sell something you don't believe in or you don't have a connection to. For me, it happened, you know, in sort of this negative way, which is you know the failure of my last company and introducing the CBD. But um, you never know when that can happen. So I think you need to have a, a deep personal connection, and then that connection has to be kind of applicable to a lot of other people. You know, for me, it was stress and anxiety from from work. And a lot of people have stress and anxiety and I was offering them something that could help with that. So that's really, I think, important. If you don't have those two, I think it's going to be really hard. You can't, you can, you can fake it till you make it. But yeah. when you're competing against people like us that, you know, have a deep mission here and that comes through to the consumer, it gets much harder to fake it too long. So you got to have that kind of close connection. And then I think the, the third thing I always tell people is slow down. You know, building a great brand does not happen in a week, a month or a year. It takes decades. And you can't rush that, you know? And so you need to slow down, really focus on your product, get that right. That can happen over months and years. And who is your customer? And as you just, we just talked about building that relationship with them. Um, and that's what creates a great lasting, maybe iconic brand. And that's what we're after. And that just takes time. Given that it takes a lot of time, uh, decades, the personal connection becomes more important because you need to persevere through these times and challenges. And, and yeah, that's a great, great point. Thank you, man. Yeah, you're welcome.
Jonathan, I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. I find what you're doing um, incredible and, and I loved the way you, you could turn a bad experience into, into a new mission. So thank you so much for sharing it with us today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Uh, I love your vibe. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have vibes down in uh, Brazil someday. Yeah. And uh, get at the local corner shop. So thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm Daniel Weinman and this was Brave New Brands. I hope you had a great, great time and were able to learn a lot during this conversation. Please follow me on YouTube, LinkedIn and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.